Well, I have a, conv- a confession to make. I'm actually really excited to be here in front of you guys delivering the message for today. Now, it is probably weird to hear that, that I'm coming off of a retreat about an hour ago from Camp Wesley Pines, probably on about four hours of sleep, not by my choosing. But this is a wonderful opportunity, and I'm glad to be here. It's also a special Sunday in the life of the church, the church here at St. Matthew's and God's Church Universal. This Sunday, we are, we're finished with Epiphany, the season of Epiphany. As you can tell, our, our area here has been changed out. There's no more Christmas anymore. We are transitioning now into that time heading towards Lent. And most churches in that time period usually do series and, and get the congregation ready. At St. Matthew's, uh, Andy's over there preaching in the sanctuary as I am here on uh, who we are. Who we are as United Methodists and who we are at St. Matthew's. And so the Lord's Baptism Sunday is a perfect Sunday to highlight that. This is the Sunday where we remember not only Christ's baptism in the Jordan River, but also either our baptism or what baptism could mean to us if we choose to accept that. That's why I had the youth this morning share with the children their moments of either baptism or confirmation where they remember baptism and what it meant to them because it is something so very important to all of us. Now, like I said earlier when I read the scripture verse, typically you don't do uh, turning water into wine as the scripture verse for the baptism of the Lord. And so I met with Andy on Friday. I said, you picked this, so what are you thinking here? And he said, trust me, it is a wonderful scripture to highlight Grace and baptism. You see, baptism is a symbol or sign of God's grace. In the United Methodist Church, we have, if you go through confirmation or membership classes, they talk about John Wesley's view. There's three forms of grace. You have prevenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctification grace or sanctifying grace. Baptism is a sign of prevenient grace. It's God's grace to all of us, even before we were born physically into this world. It's grace that existed for us before we came and accepted, and it's going to be grace after we leave. And that, in the United Methodist Church, is what we look at as prevenient grace. Now, We all need this grace when you think about it. You know, we're made in God's image, but yet we still fall short. We're broken. We're broken people. If we weren't broken, Christ didn't need to come. But he came for humanity. It was God's answer to our brokenness. He came in human form to live the same trials that you and I live And to be perfect and to not deserve what he received, but he received it for us on the cross. He fixed humanity. God's grace. It's here. Whether you were born or an adult or if you accepted it or if it's not. One of the most perfect symbols I like to think of or actions is when we baptize an infant. That infant has done nothing but just been cute and and cry and 
want food and that, but that's all that that infant has done. It has not done anything to deserve grace. It doesn't understand. However, that grace is provided for that infant. Think about it. That's pretty awesome. That when babies come into this world, they come into a world where grace is provided for them. They don't have to worry about doing the right thing. It is there. And most families in our church will baptize infants if they choose. And they will choose to get that child to confirmation and youth. And then from confirmation, our church puts it on them. If they were baptized, they do a a liturgy where they remember their baptism. And then from that point on, they claim their faith. They make that choice. Some, like myself, when we went to confirmation, were not baptized until confirmation. I wasn't baptized as an infant. So I remember as a preteen doing that service there. And it was very, very impactful. But listen again to parts of our scripture. And you'll see what I mean on how it connects to baptism. Coming from verse 9, it says, When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though the servants have, he called the bridegroom over and said, A host always serves the best wine first. And when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings in the least expensive. But you have kept the best until now. Grace is the best thing out there. There's no need to bring out the least expensive wine later. It is here for all of us now. And it's offered to all of us as was the wine was offered to everybody at that wedding. Grace is for all. It's for all the people, the broken. As you read the Bible and you hear stories of the woman at the well, the grace was there for her. The sinner and the beggar, grace was there. The adulterer, the grace was there. God was full of grace and telling these people, grace is here for you. You do not have to carry your brokenness. That's what I'm going to do. You just have to accept and live a new life. The water is a perfect symbol. It's like a cleansing of the body. When you read the baptism of the Lord in the Gospel of Luke... It also mentions fire and Holy Spirit being present and the Holy Spirit coming down, descending upon Christ like a dove. And so all of that takes place in us when we accept baptism in the grace that Christ provides for us. My baptism was very unique. I was uh, an early member of Parkway Hills United Methodist Church and we uh, had a lot of our service in the commons at Madison Central. That was where I went to church for the longest times, was in a public school, which I thought was real interesting with the way our government tries to separate religion from, you know, state. There we were having service every Sunday morning in a school. I thought it was pretty cool. And then when I went through confirmation, our youth group was fairly small. It was just me and a few other people. So Reverend Bruce Taylor, he, uh, his confirmation class idea was, let's go to Dairy Queen and talk about Methodism, really because he liked ice cream. And so well, that's how I learned about the Methodist church was through those intimate settings. And it's very different than what our youth do. We have a very structured and rich tradition in what we do, and it's awesome. But mine was just very informal. But he, he started talking about baptism, and I talked to my parents. You know, we always, before we went to Parkway Hills, we did the visiting of the churches, and we visited Ridgecrest and the other Baptist churches a lot. And I just kind of assumed I was baptized. Come to find out I was not. 
And then as uh, Reverend Taylor was talking to my family during the pastor interviews for confirmation, my dad, who has gone to Baptist churches until that point all of his life, we thought he was baptized and he was not. And so I had the wonderful experience at a confirmation, my entire family being there in front of the concession stand in the commons at Madison Central, kneeling on a pillow, not only me being baptized, but my 45-year-old father and my older sister. To me, that's where grace came upon me. It's in the commons at Madison Central, and I accepted what Christ did for us on the cross. And then from that point on, you start a journey. You start a journey. But I do want to kind of do a reality check for all of us sometimes. When we accept the grace that God gives us and we start a new life, challenges await. Conflict is going to be there. Like I said earlier in the Gospel of Luke, there's a beautiful baptism of Christ. And after you read about the baptism in chapter 3, you go to chapter 4. So remember, Christ has been baptized. He is starting his ministry. And we start chapter 4, and it says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing and became very hungry. And it was at this time the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment time, he said, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and authorities over them because they are mine to give. And I please, I will give it to you if you'll worship me. And Jesus said, the scriptures claim that you must worship the Lord your God and only serve him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of Man, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you and guard you. They will hold you up with your hands so you not strike your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test your Lord, your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Let that sink in for a moment. Christ was baptized. He was on a spiritual high and he went out to the wilderness to fast and be close to God. And what happened? The devil came. Tempted him three times. And three times Christ rebuked him. And the devil went away until the next opportunity came. He wasn't finished. So as children of God, we have to keep in mind once we accept grace and the gift that God gave us, that sometimes we're not going to be on easy street. We're not going to get all the green lights to work. We're not going to always have enough money to pay the bills. Our families aren't always going to be perfect. But God is always going to be there and so will his grace. And with that, we have hope to carry on through those trials and through those conflicts. We make the resolution to hold on to that baptism and cling to that so we can carry on and show the world the light of Christ. A thing to be hopeful about is that when Christ was talking to uh, the disciple Peter and told him that he would build his kingdom upon him, he'll be the rock, and that the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates are a defensive measure. 
We as Christians with grace and God at our side are on the offensive to change the world. The devil's on the defeat and it happened at the cross and we should never forget that. We should never be timid, meek, or mild in what we are and who we represent and who we show through what we do. Always remember we're on the offensive to show God's love and mercy and grace. That's what we're called to do and called to make disciples for him. And all of this can be symbolized in the waters. The waters of the Jordan River. The waters that are here in the sanctuary. With your baptism and with God's grace. We are gifted. We are his chosen people. We are worthy. We're not the low life. Christ died for us and that's something worthy. He sacrificed his life for us. Therefore, we're pretty awesome. And we should never forget about that and forget about God's grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for what you do for us on a daily basis. But we're also thankful for what you provided for us before we even came into this world in our physical form. We are thankful for what you provide for us in grace before we even accept it. And we're thankful that it's always going to be here for us. And Lord, with knowing this, fill us with your spirit. Give us the courage to go out and face the conflicts and face the world and to show the world who you are, a God of love, mercy, and grace, so that you may be glorified. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.